Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Hear your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories, as well as the occasional uh, sound of uh, chicken or turkey, uh, brought to you from the um, backyard of my off-grid homestead here in rural Maine, reporting um, our <laughs> voiceover from the field um, yet again here. Um, kind of a fun little um, habit of getting in. Uh, report the weather um, Weather today. Uh, beautiful um, autumn in New England. Um, it is the time of year where things are starting to sunset. Uh, the days are getting significantly shorter. The trees have a certain color to them, and soon... They will be blowing off the branches, hitting the ground, um, getting cold, um, frost, kills everything in the garden. And uh, it is just that time of year where you feel that a wonderful thing has passed, uh, which might be um, part of why this is uh, the, the season of uh, the witching hour um, coming into Halloween very, very, very soon. Uh, not quite there yet, but um, today we're going to feature some really sort of a, a prelude um, to what is to come uh, four weeks of horror madness um, stuffed into Radio Drum Revival's episodes, as well as uh, some sort of feature on All Hollows Eve that we're still working on putting together for you. I just had the opportunity, um, actually through ZBS Foundation, uh, got word through uh, Tom Lopez that Roger Gregg had some new YouTube videos out. Now, Roger Gregg is, of course, the head of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. He is the creator of the fantastic theme that gets in your head each week. Um, and Roger has um, not been doing quite as much uh, long-form audio drama lately. Um, he used to be doing a lot with the RTE and now has uh, done some really uh, bizarre and creative things with uh, poetry, drama, and music, and, of course, sound effects galore. And um, that's what we're going to hear samples from today. Um, two new videos, um, starting with this one. This is a poem by Roger called Weir Number One. Now, uh, as we say, uh, listen closely and you will uh, start to think whether the, this is the description of machine that uh, matches your experience um, in modern America. Also, I had a chance to play this piece on uh, the terrestrial version of the show at WMPG. Um, actually, WMPG is uh, fundraising this week. Uh, WMPG.org. Um, if you want to throw some money in the uh, tip jar for Radio Drum Revival, um, surely would be appreciated. Uh, so during that show, of course, I have to stop and ask for uh, donations from the listeners um, to Terrestrial Radio. And um, using this sort of uh, <laughs> bizarre piece, um, I got a comment that uh, someone heard me go on a rant about um, people throw themselves into oil rigs and then um, the strangest song they'd heard in their life um, asked me later, what the oil rigs were about, but this is called Weir Number One, a uh, treatise on empire by Roger Craig. The impervious upper tray located at the apex of the edifice is protected by a puncture-proof diaphragm of vested interest. The diaphragm is housed adjacent to the parasitical suction valve, which continually operates to ensure that nothing of value ever trickles down to the lower sections. To ensure system security, the lower levels are reinforced by one-way iron-clad despair brackets. The reinforced brackets keep each level throughout the apparatus firmly in their place, while simultaneously insulating the lower levels from access to all harmful power. The constant circle jerking motion of the spinning flywheels whips up the self-congratulatory effervescent froth continually erupting through the open media pronouncement mouths of the upper tray. 
This oily Victrolic froth is then relayed by several demigogue cogs in wheeling half-truth motions, which rotates the big lie camshaft above the central engine block. The camshaft, in turn, flexes all the sanctimonious knee-jerk arms aligned along the baying mob pseudo-consensus grid. The arms periodically snap upwards in an orchestrated validation motion, which in turn hurls the agitated foam throughout the machine. The oily base of the Victrolic foam helps mitigate the volatile friction generated by the constant upward pressures from the suppressed lower regions. Once all the working parts are coated in this obfuscating layer of foam, the pressure is redirected downwards by the demigog cogs toward diversionary scapegoat targets languishing at the lower subsistent level. As the foam settles, the bombastic emissions of the widespray nozzle of the pipe dream valve shower the area to further ease the manipulation of hesitant elements through the paranoid hysteria filter to maximize their susceptibility quotient. For the process to proceed, it is imperative that a uniform cognizance vacuum is maintained at all times in the pressurized exploitation chamber. The vacuum permits the uncontested alignment of the plausible dupe probe above the hopper on the subjugated bandwagon rolling at the base of the chamber. Once aligned, the fertile production elements are injected into the downward spiral aspiration tube. The screwing motion of the rifled barrel of the descending tube ensures that all elements are thoroughly disoriented and pacified when finally dropping into the exploitation chamber. The passive elements are then broken up and crushed by the unstoppable press of events. They are then mulched by the serrated routine blades of the whirling bureaucracy augers. Finally, they are ground to a fine pulp or lumpen fodder by the heavy millstones of the repetitive tedium drive. Thus liquefied, the resource nutrients are sucked away by the hypodermic extractor spikes on the condensing pulverization grid, which now slams into the quivering pliant mass of nutrients. As each unit of energy is dispensed with, the short-term memory circuits activate a token flag icon, which flashes briefly on the prominent platitude display screen. This is quickly followed by the ostensory LCD signal, which flashes to highlight the charlatan paragons posturing in the heliographic limelight at the central controls. Any descent particles, which might remain active in the hopper of the bandwagon, are restrained and concentrated in the bypass gauntlet funnel to be later siphoned off as discredited emission. This discredited emission is then further maligned by the hammering action of the purifying trunjan arm until compliant. All waste is then siphoned off through the mendacious equivocator hose patriotically vacillating from the papilla of the deniable purge exhaust. The entire process is monitored throughout by rose-tinted rapacious manipulators speculating at the remote command unit behind the culpability shield on the far right of the structure.
Okay, I hope you enjoyed that little bout of the unusual. Um, that's what we're all about here in Radio Drum Revival, showing you um, how diverse and at times unusual uh, the art of audio drama can be. Um, we've got another uh, shorter piece by Roger Gregg. Uh, this one's about eight minutes, um, called The Devil and Thomas Connolly. Now, this is an adaptation um, uh, written by Roger, but based on an Irish legend of Thomas Connolly, uh, about how the 1% acted in the time of Irish famine, uh, those who go to hell and those who try not to. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a moral theme here, as well as maybe a vision of All Hallows' Eve. Um, coming right up for you here. In 1847, Thomas Conley became a man and inherited a fortune, Castletown House, and all its land. Yes, young Thomas Conley had finally come of age. And to welcome the new lord of Castletown onto the stage, all the lords and ladies came to Castletown Hall for a hunt and a feast and a big gala ball. Yes, they gathered here for a magnificent feast for turkey and puddings, ice cream and roast beef. And beckoning to all as he stood at his chair, Reverend Scratch asked them all to join him in prayer. Lord, help us forget that our hunt was spoiled today. When the stench on the road led our hounds astray. Help us, dear Lord, whom you have rightly blessed. Protect us from seeing such sights of distress. Now Thomas had seen what had broken their chase. Refugees from the west fleeing fields in waste. Something about uh, potatoes with blight had filled all the land with such dreadful sights that the roads were choked with misery as thousands each day were attempting to flee. Now Thomas was troubled, so to the reverend he beckoned. Excuse me, kind sir, but I do have a question. What of those poor creatures on the road today? Asked young Thomas in an innocent way. There was a young girl who grabbed hold of my horse. What would make her take such a desperate course? I think she was suffering such horrendous grief that perhaps we should do something to aid her relief. Oh, Thomas, you're young and so very naive. Free enterprise and the market is all that she needs. Don't let those plebs prey on your mind. It's 1847. You must move with the times. Your talk of hunger now is in really poor taste. Your gala banquet here should not go to waste. Yeah, yeah, cried the bailiff. And the judge agreed, as the servants began catering to their every need. Bringing in leeks and carrots, sweet cakes and pies, every taste for your taste bud that money can buy. Then Scratch beckoned to Thomas with a wave of his hand. Now, do come join us at table, my fine young man. I have invited a few who you simply must meet. Men are breeding and stationed, so do take your seat. Now that Castletown House has been passed on to you, you must learn to do business with we chosen view. 
So sit here with the banker, the bailiff, and judge, and we'll feed upon turkey, puddings, ice cream, and fudge. Now the portly man, sitting off to his right, began to speak to Thomas in between bites. As your banker, let me manage that fortune of yours. Allow me to invest it so you can make more. We have devised a scheme to sell your animal feed to all of these so-called people in need. It's a sound investment, your profits protected, the bailiff will see that all the debts are collected and spare you from any grief or afflictions by forcing foreclosures and making evictions. And with that, the banker cut a nice dripping slice off his bloody roast beef with his huge carving knife. So you see, said the banker, you needn't fear, and I happen to have the contract right here. So please just sign it, and you'll harvest more wealth. Yes, sign it, my son, and we'll toast to your health. So the contract was passed, the pen and ink well. But when Thomas took the pen, there came the sound of a bell. Ringing and ringing from out the front hall, asked Thomas, At this late hour, who would dare call? Then the door was opened, and what should appear but a girl in rags, shivering with fear. Like a shadowy ghost in the light of the moon, all sat frozen as she entered the room. said Thomas. Why, that is the girl I saw today on the hunt. This is an outrage, said the banker. Remove her at once. How dare you scandalize our happy affair? Why, the smell of your child is fouling our air. Then a servant came in with a large sweeping broom and swept the girl right out of the room. Now, back to business, said the banker. Let us seal the deal, and you'll make a killing selling your cornmeal. So take the contract <laughs> and sign it right here. But suddenly, Thomas felt he must look in the mirror. And deep in that glass, what met his gaze? But the devil in hell, with his eyes all ablaze. And beside him the banker, drowning in flames. And Reverend Scratch, too, writhing in pain. And then rolling in agony, who should he see? Dear Lord, gasped Thomas. Why, that is me! So filled with terror at this hellish sight that he hurled the inkwell with all of his might. Ah! And as the glass cracked, there puffed just enough sulfurous fume 
to end the fierce vision and stink up the room. Then Thomas took hold of the contract and he started to laugh. And before all assembled, he tore it in half. Dear Lord, cried the banker. The young man is mad. He's gone quite insane. This is really most sad. And so this is the true tale of the night the devil appeared to young Thomas Conley in the Castletown mirror. For from that night onward it became his belief that he must do his part for his fellow's relief. And he is remembered today as a landlord who did what was right, who used his great fortune to help ease the plight, not like some leaders today who make justice a farce, or the bankers who pick lies out of their arse. <laughs> The Devil and Thomas Connolly, uh, both of the last two pieces you heard were pulled off Crazy Dog Audio Theater's YouTube page. Uh, YouTube's got a bunch of stuff for Roger. Cr- ch- type in Crazy Dog Audio, all sorts of stuff uh, from the Serpent in the Be Loud Glade, the studio album that he released, uh, as well as uh, live stage work and uh, little samples of things. Um, in addition to the uh, longer form, full-length audio theater that you've had the opportunity to hear here on Radio Drum Revival the last months and years. Um, if you go to the Radio Drum Revival uh, show notes for this page, I'll have links to digging into all of uh, Roger's works. He's did some really spectacular stuff over the years. He's one of my favorites, um, really truly a mentor to me. And uh, before we close out, actually, we're going to go into a full feature-length hour-long production just when you thought the show was just uh, getting going. Um, this is called The Ghosts of Rena Screen the Lighthouse. It's kind of a Blair Witch project um, for audio. Um, so we're kind of kicking off Halloween a little bit early, not, not super intentionally, but I wanted to feature Roger Gregg, and this is a piece I don't know that I have featured yet, and I don't know there's really anywhere else that you can get it, so... Uh, here's my gift to you as a little uh, treat before we get into the trick-or-treating season. Ghosts of Rena Screen the Lighthouse on Irish Blair Witch Project. Enjoy. Hello. I'm Cuivany Rommel. It was one year ago tonight that I had the opportunity to participate in a highly publicized ghost hunting expedition led by the American investigative journalist E.J. Merkin. Mr. Merkin came to Ireland, armed with the latest in ghost hunting technology, to uncover the truth behind our most famous haunted site. I refer, of course, to Rena Screena Lighthouse, where on October the 31st, 1934, the newlywed lighthouse keeper Michael O'Shea and his young wife Maureen met their mysterious ends. The tragic tale, later made famous by Hollywood, thanks to the movie... The Quiet Place. The ghosts of Michael and Maureen are said to inhabit the lighthouse still. We now let you hear the facts for yourself as we present this programme assembled from Mr Merkin's recordings from his audio diary. We wish to thank also Warren Brothers Motion Pictures for permission to use several clips from the film. is cold my love lies gray like the sea sighs on every wave but my heart is bold and I'll have my way 
Yes, it's me. I'm here. Michael. This is no place to be. Here? Do you know where you are? Playing my song. Yes, always. That song. Over and over with that hellish piano. Piano? Yes, cursed was the day I brought that thing into my lighthouse. I need to play my song. Come inside. My song. The full moon. See? Ah, let me go. I need my song. My no, song. No, I can't take it anymore, Maureen. It's cold. My love lies gray. Like the sea. No, 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 no more. I'm begging you, Maureen. You hear? Even if it takes my last breath, I'm going to lift this piano above my head. And cast it. Sorry, but I dragged that cursed thing down to hell myself just to save you, Maureen. I love you. No. Maureen, please. I need to play my song. Maureen, song. What? What are you doing, Maureen? My piano. Get away from the railing. My song. Get back, Maureen. I'm play my piano. No, stay still. <laughs> Maureen! I've come for you, my love. Needles are moving. Okay. It's taping. Okay. That's that's not too loud in here for you, no? No, no, it's fine, fine. The the film archive here has got great presence. It's not a bit echoey? No, it'll be okay, I think, you know. Okay. Fine. Don't right. worry, you know, this is a this is a really good microphone and it'll pick up everything we say. Okay. Right? Okay, so I'm, re simple. I'm ready yeah. then. Okay. <clears throat> um Yes. Uh I, I've prepared a few statements, so I'll just start in. Okay. Yeah, it, sure. Um, Go ahead, right. I guess. My life's work as a leading Irish academic has been researching the film The Quiet Place, uh, for, indeed, this film's influence extends far beyond the shores of this island, reaching as it does into the hearts... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. See, I thought, I thought those were just notes. They're actually your well, words, there's, you there's know? So, there's something wrong. I mean, do you, want, do you want me to start over? I've got all my answers here. I mean, it mostly is taken from the book. Well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I thought maybe those were just some notes of bullet points so no, that you wanted to say. But these are my notes. Here, give me those. Oh, you but, don't need them. But I, I, I need yeah, them. Yeah, I want them. Yeah, I know, but we don't want them. I want them. Yeah, I know, but not for the interview. But it's all laid out. All the answers are there. But you don't read aloud from notes when you talk to people. Of course I do. I'm a professor. Yeah, no, see? See, what? let go of the notes. This is Look. highly I'm sorry, irregular. but see, the reading out loud thing, it doesn't sound natural. Do you, do you not know what I'm saying? No. Look, I've come 3,000 miles to talk to you. You, right? Yeah. You, you wrote the book. You, yeah. you, you know, and, and talk to you in a natural, conversational, kind of off-the-top-of-the-head, kind of relaxed way, right? Conversation. Yeah, I mean, because you are the world's leading expert on all this, right? Yeah, well, I've, I've written the book. Yeah, and your book, yeah. Well, you know, it's very popular. Yeah, it's been... yeah. Ghosts, movie stars, <laughs> you can't go it's wrong. It's selling really, really well. Well, great. Well, and, that, and that's my point. Mm. People are interested in what you have to say. They, they want to hear you. Just being yourself, natural, you. Me. Yeah. So you just relax. <clears throat> and I mean, you, you know all the answers. Yeah, okay. so... But, 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 you see, with, with my notes... No. I, I put those down. Now, look. Just... 
just talk, okay? Just talk. Okay. It'll be fine. Trust okay. me. You, your own words, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm. I'm. I'm aware of conversation. Yeah. Right. So, <sighs> Professor, mm -hmm. can you tell us, without your notes, a bit about the background to the movie, The Quiet Place, how it came about, the context, and all you know, all okay. that stuff. Well, yes, of, of course. Um, well, there's the uh, Rena Screener Lighthouse, of course, uh, with the ghosts that have been haunting it since 1934. And Cecil Ford... Right, the, the famous Irish-American filmmaker. Yeah, right. You know? Now, Ford, at the height of his success in Hollywood at the time, was in a very enviable position. It meant he could initiate projects. So he was able to convince the studios to go ahead with what became his film, The Quiet Place. Hmm. Yeah, but it was also unique, right, in, in that it was actually filmed in Ireland. Mm, well, actually, the external scenes with continuous rain and all the lighthouse interiors were shot in Ireland. The scenes with the sunshine, of course, they were all done in California. I see. So, so it was 1958, mm. and this, this Hollywood film crew arrives in the tiny village of Rena Screen. Oh, yeah, and... I mean, it's such a major event. The bishop and his catamite came out of the palace. Mm. New outhouses were dug. And many of the poor ate food. Mm. Um, dogs were running up and down, barking, excited. Barking, excited, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. People came from all over Ireland just to see and, uh, and to sell things to the glamorous Hollywood movie types. Very exotic, right, very right. exotic. And the, sto uh, the, the stars, right? Yeah. They, they were really hot at that time. Oh, Lord, yes, they were household names. People idolised them. Um, they were like beings from another world. And not the usual kind we see in Ireland. Oh. Movie stars, yeah, they'd make coats, swimming pools, shoes, mm. undergarments, mm. soap. Mm. All the things the common people of Ireland could only imagine. Right, right. And so, like, and, and so here they were yeah. in Rena Screen. And here they were in Rena yeah. Screen at Cliff Bannister <laughs> and Vivian O'Leary in Ireland. I mean, nothing like that had ever happened before and the effects are still felt to this day so the, the this um, big Hollywood film crew arrives yeah. and the, the, the stars and the filming begins yeah and... but not immediately there were some problems with the script oh yeah it, it, it wasn't written well that that could be an issue well normally of course for Hollywood the script doesn't matter so much but this was different well how so well Obviously, I mean, here was an Irish story set in Ireland, Irish ghosts and so forth, but using actual Irish people in actual Ireland. So naturally, a lot of work had to be done on the town, on the people, mm. on everything, to make it all appear, you know, convincingly Irish. I see. So, so what kind of changes uh, did they have to make to create a, a convincing Ireland? A lot of vocal work was done. What do, what do you mean vocal work? What's yeah, that? Accents. Accent coaching. Oh, I see. For the two American stars. Yeah, well, to some extent. But uh, mostly for the villagers. For, you know, the Irish actors from the Abbey in the cast of the movie, they were fine. They knew their place, the stage Irish country accents, over-the-top, hammy overacting. Naturals. Brilliant. Right, right. right. Uh, but what about for the big stars, Vivian O'Leary and uh, Cliff Bannister? Well, Vivian O'Leary, as we know, was the consummate Hollywood professional. Oh, yes, she's great. And, oh, uh, right. yeah. Classic. What a trooper. Really high cheekbones. But, I love those. You know... Mel Blanc coached her vocally. Mel Blanc? Yeah, thanks to Mel Blanc's Fantastic. vocal coaching, she clinked right into the Irish accent. So while Vivian O'Leary quickly took command of that uh, Irish accent, oh. Cliff Bannister, on the other hand, was... Difficult. Very... Cliff Bannister, I mean, just very, very difficult. Oh. You mean, you mean with his accents or the, uh, the, other, the other habit? 
Uh, fine actor though he was. Somewhat like Keno Reeves, Bannister just couldn't do accents. In fact, no accents whatsoever. <laughs> well, except for his own accent. No, couldn't even do that. Well, that's extraordinary. But it worked. Big work because of the role. All right, Michael Flanagan, the lighthouse keeper. Yeah, Michael yeah. Flanagan. Um, and since the script was being written on the set, they could incorporate Bannister's non-accent. Oh. And in the end, having the character written as a mysterious, handsome, reclusive man, mm. it served, well, I suppose, to add to the re- romantic allure of the character. Mm. The more quiet he was, mm. the more charged with sexual energy. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Women are crazy, you know, the, for that. The yeah. strong, silent type, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah know, I never thought of it that way. It, it's, it's. Uh, I, mean, I suppose Cliff Bannister, as a result of that, he's most remembered for his portrayal of Michael Flanagan. Of course. Lifting the piano. Right, lifting, lifting that the piano. piano. Yeah. Right, lifting, lifting the piano. <laughs> well, it proves what they say about that special yeah. star quality. Uh-huh. Uh, what do they say? That an actor really needs it. It. Yeah, you know, like an actor has to have it. Oh, yes. It. 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 Hmm. Well, Bannister had it. He had lots of it. Um, No more so than in his portrayal of that mysterious lighthouse keeper. Mm. As you say, women, they just go crazy for it to this day. Mm. Mm. Really? Yeah, it's the sexual chemistry. Um, Charisma. It's a timeless attraction. You should see my lectures. When we play that clip in the film. Right. the students go wild. Wild. Do they go wild? Oh, Michael. Michael? Yes? I'm after forgetting. Why? My kiss. What? You stole a kiss from me. Remember? When you pulled me from the water. Yes, so you'd breathe. A kiss is still a kiss. You stole it. And I want it back. You what? Here. There now, Michael. Miss, I, uh... Maureen. Maureen? I'm sorry. Don't be. I'm not sorry. And there's more where that came from. Michael Flanagan. You'll have to rouse yourself out of that old lighthouse of yours. When I... Don't be such a stranger. I'm singing most nights of the beacon. I'll keep an eye out for you. My love is cold. My love lies grey. Like the sea, he sighs on Okay, but what of the true story behind the movie? Well, now, the facts... As we know them are, that in October 1934, a couple did die at the lighthouse. Mm, The lighthouse keeper and his wife? Yeah. Halloween night? Yes. Full moon? Mm, Yes. Really? Yes. So it's all fact? No. No, not Mm. all. The one important difference between the actual people and the Hollywood version Mm. is, of course, the piano. Which the character Maureen O'Sullivan plays. Yeah, that's right. And in real life, she played an accordion. Really? Yeah, it's true. Oh, I, I never heard that. Well, it's not really known. Um, and it's so overshadowed by the movie, of course. It's the classic image from the poster. poster and yeah, yeah, the poster lifting the piano. Lifting the piano, <laughs> yeah. And, and Vivian O'Leary was a very glamorous starlet at the time. Mm. And the screen tests with the accordion, well, you know, it was felt the nature of the instruments. It was blocking, you know, her 
like all this area here, you know. Oh yes. And yes. these were very, very important. Very important. Yes. On yes. screen appeal. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I see her cleavage. Cleavage. Yeah. Yeah. Cleavage. Right. Right. Cleavage. But the, uh, the, because of that, the accordion was out. Right, and the piano was in. Piano. Right. It was, yeah. and it was one of those wonderful Hollywood strokes of genius. Mm. And, Led directly to what, for many people, is their favourite sequence in the film. Oh, the fun, yeah. When Michael Flanagan and the, and the two, two fishermen, fishermen dragged yeah. the piano up from the top of the lighthouse. Derby O'Shea, <laughs> Derby O'Shea, Derby O'Shea and Dan Joe McGee. <laughs> Great. supposed to surprise her. Her favorite piano in her favorite place. Oh, tap of Remus Green and Lighthouse. Oh, she loves it up there. Standing out on the balcony, gazing out to sea, singing for the world for hours on end, so she does. Well, that's a bit mad. Well, we must be mad for moving this so we are. Come, Come on, lads, grab it. Come on, let's go. Stop messing, guys. Just slip it. Look out! Ah, crikey, we're after doing it now. There is another layer to the film, mm. the ghostly layer which I bring up quite clearly in my book, Ghosts of the Quiet Place, which is available in all good bookshops. Yes, yes, Pre yes, Professor. Now, this is very important, you know. Mm. This is why I'm here. What is the ghostly lair? It's all in my book. Yes, I know. Now, but <clears throat> can you just speak about it now, you know, like, like we agreed we would? When was that? When? We, just before I turned the tape recorder on, remember? I said, well, just... Oh, go, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. Go over the ghost. Stuff, yes. You know? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, people will hear this documentary and, mm -hmm. and and they'll be intrigued and stuff, and you know, well, some of them will. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, and then they'll want to buy your book. See, that's how it works. Good, see, good. That's Ghosts of no, the no, Quiet Place, written book. by me, Professor Harvey so, so, Parnell. No, just just don't I, do that. Don't do that. To plug Please. the book, Ghosts yeah, of. It's plugged. Now, it's very sensitive microphone, you know, and we plugged the book. So. Okay. Back to your book, okay? You say in your book mm -hmm. that the making of the movie itself was haunted, right? Yes. Or or that they actually encountered the ghosts during their time there at the lighthouse. That is correct, and I prove it in my book. Okay, what is the proof? Well, there's several inexplicable incidents that happened during the making of the film, mm. and even some inexplicable phenomena captured in the film itself. Mm. I don't know. Look, Maybe. the point is that there's solid evidence for the ghosts 
held in the actual film itself, in the print. Look, right, I'll, I'll right, demonstrate. Right. Come on. Okay. Follow me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see you got the poster up over here. There's Lift in the Piano. Through there. I, I never saw that one before. Hang on. Because, uh, I they the used a different poster for the movie here. Because the other professor's stealing the cans at Bradford. Okay, now I'm with uh, Professor Harvey Parnell in, yes. in the film archive, and we're standing at a kind of big film viewing machine. Yes, uh, uh, Steenbeck. Steenbeck. Now, this machine enables us to view the film at our convenience. Mm. And uh, there, I'll start it now. There we go. Ah. Now you've loaded in a print of The Quiet Place into the machine. Yes. Uh, the film's there, and I'm just fast-forwarding through it. So. Oh, I see. It's very fast. Yeah, it? well... The Steenbeck, you know, it's just a projector that's laid out differently. It means, you know, we can view films, we have pair damage sections, and we stop and slow down and even view it one frame at a time. Yeah, Great. I see. Now, now you say there is actual evidence of the ghosts here caught on, on this film. film. Yeah, yeah, and that's, okay. I'm going to show you the proof right now. Here we are, there. Scene 395. Oh, yes, I know this bit. Yes, there. yes. That's right now. Okay, now watch very carefully. Gonna start the film? Oh yeah. Oh the sea. The sea. Oh now, it's here's so that famous scene where she's gazing out to sea from the top my of the lighthouse for the very first time. Cold, my love lies gray. Yeah. And she breaks into the song. Oh, of course. Ah, there's Michael. Yes, sticks yeah. up on her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sorry. You startled me. And they meet. Yeah. yeah. Are you all right? Yes, yes. How did I get here? The last thing I remember was taking out the boat, and then everything went dark. I pulled you from the sea. You did? Yes. Oh. Thank you. You. You're the lighthouse keeper. I am. You live way out here. I do. It's so beautiful out here. It is. So remote and wild. Yes. Still, it must be so lonely. It's a quiet place. Oh. What's oh, wrong? I feel weak. I need to hold on. To, oh. Here, here. He'll oh. let me hold you. Oh. Uh. I'll carry you down to bed. Oh. You need rest. Yes. carrying her down the steps, you know. Oh, really? He did all his own stunts himself. Wow. Now, if you look at their moving shadows on the wall and listen carefully to the music when it says this line coming up here. Okay. You sleep now. I'll take care of you. Always. 
there. There what? You missed it. Missed what? The, the, ugh, okay, not to worry. It only lasts a couple of seconds. I'll play it back. Now, there's something in the background here. What? I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll stop it dead on the frame this time. Okay. I'll take care of you. Always. You see it? What? It's just him carrying her down the stairs. You look on the stone wall behind him. See it? Oh. The shadow? Yeah. It, the shadow. Shadow of a woman. A woman holding a... Baby? Oh, no. It's an accordion. An accordion? You mean it's it, a... It's a ghost. It's her. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. That, that could just be a trick of the light on the walls. No. Well, maybe. I. You know, <sighs> just, uh, that's... Oh, uh, look. I'm beginning to think you don't believe in ghosts, Mr. Merkin. <laughs> well, no. No, I don't. Come on, and I, I thought you'd be at least skeptical. Why should I be skeptical? You're a professor. Yeah. Well, don't you have some notion of scientific inquiry? Look, I'm a professor of film studies. It's got nothing to do with science. Oh, what? So it's it's really about selling your book, then, is it? And what exactly are you implying? Well, I think you know. You know, you know what? To, if I if I knew, what would I be asking? Well, I think it's about you know you selling, uh, helping to sell a, I am a, a respected book. academic, a sir. Number one best-selling book last year. The uh, proof of the ghost from Professor Parnell was inconclusive. So now I've driven down here to the seaside village of Rena Screena, and I'm sitting in the car just outside the Beacon Pub, the same bar that was used in the movie. Right. Uh, I'm just about to go into the pub and meet with um, Jack O'Hara and his daughter, Gray... Gra... Gra... Oh, it's one of those Irish names. Grainy, I think. Anyway, they perform here at this pub, um, sort of as uh, storytellers and uh, local historians. So, here I go. Here we are in the famous Beacon Bar. That's right. This is the very bar that was used in the movie, as the Yanks to call it. Oh? Uh, what do you call it? Well, we, we say it's a film. Film? Yes. Film? Yeah. Film? Yes, that's what I said. Film. All right. Okay. And you and your daughter, Gronya, you, you uh, perform. Uh, we do. Well, what exactly? Well, uh, every night and twice on the weekends they come to see us tell the story of the ghosts and the movie. And I don't mind saying this place is packed. We can't get in the door. Packed with who? Oh, with people. They come from all over. We get them from America, from Canada, England, Australia. Argentina. That's right, Argentina. Right, and, and you perform for all these tourists. That's right, yes. Yeah, shall we, shall we show them a bit of what we do? Love? Okay. Oh, great. <sighs> Was here in this very pub that she would sing, and what a voice she had, like an angel's come to earth. Perhaps her enchanted voice was carried on the winds far out to the lighthouse, weaving around it like tender, ghostly arms, holding him tight, embracing him, beckoning him, and drawing him ever onward 
under that full moon, on through that stormy night, until he came through that very door. And then it goes on from there, of course. A teaser. Yeah, sure. Uh, but the ghosts, uh, now, you know the true story, not the, the movie. Oh, yes, 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 indeed. Yes, mm, yes, yes, the, the ghosts. They're up in that lighthouse, all right. Oh, you'd hear them. You have? Oh, I, I, I have many times. Oh, yes, many times, yes. Okay, well, what actually happened in 1934? They died. Who did? The lighthouse keeper and his wife. They fell into the sea. Okay, okay. Uh, is there any proof of that? Oh, <laughs> so proof now you want, is it, huh? Well, yes. You see, this is a... Uh, I thought I told you this. This is a documentary I'm making, you well, know, and I'm, I'm trying to find out the facts here. Well, of course, yes, yes. Professor Parnell said you'd want the facts, and the facts you'll have. Grania, where do we put that paper? It's here, Dad. Well, go on, go on, love, now and get it. Get it now from the man. Here it is. There, see, right on the front page. Oh, yes. Oh, it was big, big news at the time. I see, right. Okay, now this is dated November 2nd, 1934. Yes, yes, just a couple of days after they drowned. Now, see, do do, do you see there? Oh, yes. Couple dies in tragic tragic drowning. drowning, Yes. It is believed that the lighthouse keeper, Michael Flanagan, aged 35... And his wife, Maureen, aged 22, fell into the sea at Rena Screena Lighthouse. Oh, that is sad. Local fishermen and authorities with badges, though uh, continuing to search for their bodies, do not hold out hope of recovering them from the sea. The waters beyond the point being noted for their treacherous undercurrents and also for being quite unbreathable. And There's a picture of them there. Look, do you see? Where? Well, just below there. Do you see your man there that has a bit of old rope around his waist? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, is that uh, some kind of seafarer lucky charm thing? No, no, that's to hold up his trousers. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Oh, and there she is next to him. <sighs> She's lovely, isn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. With the accordion. Yes, yes. Hmm. So, that is them. That is them. Hmm. And they drowned together. Well, sad. Sad, yes. Well, this proves at least that they actually existed. Oh, oh, they existed, all right. They still exist. You you see, it wasn't long after they drowned that people going past the place at night began to see and hear things. What things? They'd hear her singing and making music. And then maybe they'd look up and see two ghostly forms together at the top of the lighthouse, swirling around in the moonlight. Really? Oh, yes, and, and quickly, it quickly went round, you know. And then everyone knew about the ghosts. Oh, they were famous here, locally. But then Hollywood made the movie. And now the whole world knows, Kurt. And they come here all over to see the lighthouse, the pub, us. Oh, okay. Okay, well. Great, great, that covers everything, thank you. How long was it drawn, yeah? Just about 45 minutes, I'd say. Oh, not quite the hour, eh? No. What's wrong? Oh, just the charge, you know. Char- what What charge? Well, you see, normally we charge by the hour. What? Our fee. But you didn't say anything about a fee. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. You see, the strain on our resources, like... Uh, and we had to print, uh, get that old copy of the, the paper. Well, look, you, well, you, you, you have a read of the said, paper I explained, there. I'm doing it. I'm making kind of up uh, your bill for you. You, you well, sit no, yourself. Uh, no, see, this was a documentary. I was
Are you sure this is all right, Mr. Merkel? I mean, we could wait until we arrive at the lighthouse. No, no, this is fine. Uh, we'll do this now on the way out there because when we get out there, we'll be so busy, we won't really have a chance to talk, you know? Okay, yeah, I understand. However, I do sense apprehension and a growing fear, because, perhaps because Samhain approaches. What approaches? The Feast of Samhain, one of the four Celtic festivals, the Feast of the Dead, when the seasons turn and the spirit world opens. Oh, really? I thought it was just Halloween. Well, it is, Mr. Merkin, it is indeed. And we shall meet the spirits of the dead. Oh, 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 I hope it's not us. <laughs> You're concerned and very, very intense. Well, yes, 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 yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Watch, watch. Can you uh, slow down a bit, Oh, maybe? don't worry, Mr. Merkin. I know this road well. Yes, yes, but, uh, oh. Your energy aura is quite distressed. Well, yes, yes, it is. This road and the hedges along it, well, you know, you can't see what's coming around the next bend. But I know what's coming around the next bend. You do? But of course, I'm psychic. Yeah, about that. I'd, I'd rather not rely on your uh, psychic gifts, Miss O'Donnell. Uh, what, 60 kilometers an hour here on this back road? Boreen, we say. Yeah, Boreen, then. Do not be distressed. Our time is not yet. Well, that's some relief, I guess. Proceed with your questions. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess we can start with who you are, what you do, and uh, how you're going to help us in our investigation here at the lighthouse. To make contact with the spirits, you mean? Well, yeah, if they're really there. Of course. Well, I'm Quivo Donal, the Celtic psychic author and healer. And you're famous here in Ireland, right? <laughs> My psychic gifts are appreciated, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and uh, you're on Irish television? That is correct. I'm on a pastel-coloured couch. On a couch? Yeah, on a breakfast show. Phone in. People, some of them very desperate, and some just desperate, ring in. And I use my psychic gifts, my Celtic psychic gifts, that is, to help them. I see. And uh, how do you do that exactly? You've heard of reality television? Yeah, with real people, real situations. Yes, and what I do is a kind of unreality television. Unreality television? Yeah, or oh. supernatural reality television. Yeah, that's probably a better term. Yeah. Oh, so you, uh... You what exactly? Well, on live television, I use my psychic powers, which you must understand everybody has. Uh, it's just that I am in intimate contact with mine. Okay. It's a gift, really. It's a Celtic thing. Uh-huh. And I use it to tap into a person's unique problem. And everyone is unique, you understand. Well, yeah. most everyone. And I get a special message from the other side. The other side? Yeah, maybe from the Celtic spirits, dead loved one, an angelic force, maybe like Elvis or, I don't know, Michael Landon. And I relay that in a way that only that special individual can understand. I don't Yeah, all right, I sense your confusion. Here's an example. Just a few weeks ago, a woman rang in, and she was so upset, instantly I was overcome, and I I could instantly tap into her pain. Really? Oh, yes. It was just something about being uh, mistreated by her abusive husband who was drinking, her son was getting into hard drugs, and they had no money and debt or whatever, and she couldn't afford to ring my 24-hour tarot helpline, so she rang me up on the breakfast show. And after just a few minutes, I was, oh, seconds, I think, I was transported and received a special message for her from the other side. And what was the message? It was, and I'll never forget this because it was so powerful, so quick and so easy. It was, let me see, you are seeking love, money, happiness. These things you seek are good. Continue to seek them and they will. They they will what? I don't know. This is about messages from the spirits. Their answers are not always clear, though, well, they are clear, but you may not understand it yet, if you get me. So it's kind of like the the oracle at Delphi. I was so drained after that experience. I had to spend a week recovering my uh, villa in Spain. You know, so intense being a vessel of healing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I've written all about this, of course, in my many books. Always, 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 always reaching out. 
I run special courses on Celtic psychic awareness. Oh, and I have a weekly astrology column as well. So yeah. many avenues to reach out. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm, I'm afraid I don't have uh, any Celtic psychic awareness, just uh, a lot of scientific ghost hunting equipment. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And there it is in all its glory. Yes, fantastic Venus green and lighthouse. Wonderful, yeah. A conduit for so much energy around these parts. Yes. And of course this area is very, very haunted. Yes. You've heard about the old house. Yes, I've, I've read about it all. And of course the movie, my, you know, I grew up with that movie. My mom, dad, uh, you know, they were both big fans of the movie, of course. So. Yes, well now you're seeing it in, yeah. in the stone, just like as the it movie, were. Yeah. Just like the movie. Yeah, here we out go. here on this peninsula, sitting on the cliff. Yeah, this is going to get a bit bumpy here, okay. so just it's, to keep the cattle out. Right. Nah, that wasn't too bad, was it? No, no. Very nice. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, and there's the huge uh, building there. That's, I think, where they put the uh, kind of the tourist uh, visitor center. Yeah, and then the, the lighthouse thrusting up into the sky. Thrusting, very thrusting. Now. begins to roll and the wheels are rolling around and there's an ABS battery alert thing flashing. Now what is it you want me to do again Mr. Merkin? I, I want to record the sound of the car pulling up here in the parking lot of the lighthouse right? Oh, okay I see. To, to establish the atmosphere of the location. Yeah exactly. So when I, so when I say go right you, you drive up close to me here in the parking lot and, and just pull alongside me here, uh, right next to me, okay? All right, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, all right now. Nice and easy. Okay, go. Was that too fast, do you think? Shall I try it again? Uh, uh no. No. <clears throat> I, uh, look, I, I think we'll just forget about, um, ouch. I think, we'll, I think we'll just do something else, all right? Okay. Hello? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my word. Are you all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're fine. We can't have people killing each other in our car park now, can we? No. No, I was, I was just trying to record something here. Oh! You're the American doing the radio program. Yes, yes. They said you'd be here today. Yeah, well, uh, we're here. Yes. <gasps> And you're Queen O'Donnell. Yeah, that's right. Hello. I love your show. Well, thank you. We're very honoured to have you. And you're very welcome, both of you. Very welcome indeed. <laughs> I'm Margaret Maloney, by the way. And I'm your guide during your stay here at Renus Green Lighthouse. Shall we go in? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be lovely. This way, then, we'll start with the cafe. Oh, oh. well, actually, I have a lot of uh, sensitive recording equipment and, and stuff to bring in first. Oh. Well, then I'll have Faulkner, the caretaker, give you a hand with all your gear then, so... Oh, that'd be great. Thanks. Thank you. That's it now. Everyone stay together, please. Wagner, uh, please. Now, this is our gift shop. We have here a wide variety of souvenirs and quality craft items crafted by local craft persons and artists. Now, down this way, as you can see, we have all the knitwear. Jumpers, caps, jackets, caps, scarves, waistcoats, caps and kits. And then up here, we have all the kitchen and cooking things. Bellyhoo cookbooks, homemade jams and marmalades, goose liver pate. Fatna. What? Would you ever answer that, please? Yes. 
Yes, so, I will. This way to our biggest section of the shop. Oh. Now, mm-hmm. here we have the largest selection anywhere on the quiet place. Hello? Yes, 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 he's here. He's already here, I said. He's still getting the tour there, he's in the shop. Yeah, all taken care of. Sound out? Oh, he'll find it. He's after, all right. Plenty of proof, no problem, bye. It's all set. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, we've seen the lower room and the upper room, a couple of closets off each. Um, not much here, really. And uh, now Miss Maloney is taking us up to the top. Okay, lads, this way, up we go now. Watch yourselves on the steps there, they're quite steep now. You'll find it really straining on the calves, you know. Great for the figure, though. Lots and lots of steps. Just, just be uh, careful on them there, now, won't you, Mr. Mark? We don't want any accidents. We could do without any claims, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Now, oh, oh indeed. Oh, here we are at last. Can you go there now? Okay. Well, this is the very top of the lighthouse. Uh, this giant thing here is the light which beams out across the sea, guiding ships through the treacherous waters off Rena's screen ahead. It is now automated, of course. Automated? Yes, indeed. Well, it was out here that Cecil Ford directed his actors Cliff Bannister and Vivian O'Leary in the final scenes of The Quiet Place. Yes. Now, let us go out to the balcony. This way, please. Again, watch yourselves on the steps there. Now. Oh. Well, for your own safety, we insist that you are very careful not to lean out over the railings. This is a dangerous place. Now, you'll note that we are perched high up on the cliffs of Rena Screener here. That the sea crashes into the jagged rocks below us. You may carefully look over at this time, if you wish. Oh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Oh, Mr. Merkin, Mr. Merkin, come here and see this. I, uh, it's, uh, okay, I know. No, come on now. Go on, Mr. Merkin. You um, can't come all the way up here and not look over. But I I have a... Go on, will you? Okay, uh, I'll just, uh, look over and, uh, oh my. Oh, yes, yes. I'm looking way over this little railing and, oh my. Oh, isn't this fantastic? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, the, the vista is... Spectacular! It uh, must be oh, three, four hundred feet all the way down there, and the sea is uh, crashing and churning and slamming in the up against the stone wall of the cliff, and the rocks are jagged way down there, and it's uh, so. Uh, oh, uh, excuse me, I just, huh? I just need to get away from there, Mr. Oh, Morgan. Oh my God! Oh, my God. Oh, Pull it back! Look at me, Mr. Morgan. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, oh, yes, 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 I'm fine, okay. Don't be looking down there anymore, sure you won't. No, no, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I just, I just need to stay back away from the edge because I, you know, I, I have this thing about heights sometimes, it just, uh, makes me dizzy looking over. Oh, yes, we get that all the time. Some tourists can't even bring themselves to come up here at all, at all. Yeah, just, uh, let me get a few breaths, I'll be okay. Of course, of course. There is a force at work here. Drawing souls over the edge. It's pulling over right 
right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a powerful psychic energy. It's very, very intense and very, very sad. Oh, my. Shh. I'm, 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 I'm contacting it. What? No light? Shh. It was right here. It happened right here. On this very spot on the railing. I can feel it on the railing here. Oh, yeah. Long ago, but still as strong as on that fateful night it happened. I feel them both resonating. Oh, my. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, but it's clearly been affecting you, Mr. Merkin. I think you know that inside there is something at work here. No, no. What's at work here is that I, I just got a bit dizzy, that's all. It's happened to me before. You know. But you're all right now, Mr. Merkin? Yeah, I'm okay now. <laughs> you have had an encounter with the spirits. No, I told you. What's work here is uh, just my fear of heights, you know. I'm dizzy, that's all. Mm. Well, then don't go near the edge. Oh, no, I'm not going to again. <laughs> you daft plank, yeah? Oh, you'll be grand, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. No, I... I'm not so sure. I think the spirits here are reaching out to you, Mr. Markham. Well, good. That's why I'm here. Well, good. Good. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, uh, fine. Uh, yeah. Come along fine. now and see the most popular attraction we have here at the lighthouse. Everyone wants to have a go at this. Over here. Yeah. Now, pull off the tarpaulin there, Fakna. Yeah, right. Ooh. Oh. Oh, yes, very nice. Very this nice. is the piano. Sitting out here on the balcony at top of the lighthouse, exactly where it's set for the movie. This, of course, isn't one of the nine pianos that Cliff Bannister threw over the edge during the making of the film, but it is an exact replica of the old black Victorian upright used in the film. Uh, can we touch it? Oh, yes, of course. Everyone gets to have a go on the piano. Well, here we go. Oh, it's so atmospheric here. Yes. You know, it's like the bells of Shandon. Playing it brings good luck. Uh, would you like a go, Mr. Merkin? <laughs> no, no, thank you. No? Are you sure? Playing the piano makes the ghosts happy. No, no, it's okay. You sure now? Yes, I'm sure. You don't want to anger the ghosts? Well, yes, you've already had one encounter with them. No, no, I haven't, and I can't play the piano, so it's okay. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Merkin. The spirits here can be very... How would you leave him be if your man doesn't want to play the piano? Don't make him. I've never played a shagging thing. <laughs> well, that's it then. Faulkner, cover back up the piano there. Of course. Um, sorry, uh, one, one last thing. Yes? Why did you go to all the trouble to bring a piano up here? Well, have you not seen The Quiet Place? Well, yes, of course. Then you know. But the point is that there was never really a piano up here. I mean, it was only because Cecil Ford decided to use a piano at the last minute in his movie because, well, because the accordion got in the way of Vivian O'Leary's cleavage. <gasps> Mr. Merkin! Oh, my God. Well, it was just made up, you know, like uh, the Blarney Stone. <laughs> Mr. Merkin, uh, let us be clear. The thousands and thousands of people that climb all the way up them steps every year expect to see a piano waiting for them when they get up here. And we bloody well make sure that they go away happy, having had their pictures taken, banging away on that piano. Yeah, but the fact is... Facts! That the... Oh, you'll hear about facts now. <laughs> Facts are all very well, Mr. Merkin, but this is Ireland. No one comes here for the facts. It's about a dream, Mr. Markham. A vision, a memory, an aspiration, roots, heritage, legacy, cosy homesteads, thatched cottages, dilly deed I do, the brogue, mucky ya, whatever you call it. 
but it's not the facts. Yeah, okay, but it's not... Now, I am truly sorry if you yourself are not seeing here what you want to see. But I assure you that thousands and thousands and thousands of good people that come here do see exactly what they want to see. We make sure they do. I'm sorry. But, you know, in fairness... We're all going to have a lot of trouble here to make you happy for your little radio show. Yes, yes, of course, and, and I appreciate that very much, so uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to upset you. Now then, let's all go back down and have a nice cup of tea. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. I, I sense so much tension here. <laughs> okay, this is on. Test, test, testing. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, recording. The time is 23 minutes past 8, and I'm ready to set everything up and begin. Fatna is now closing the door. I am. There you are now. Locked and bolted. Good. Now we'll leave the entry hall here, and we'll move now upstairs to the other, um... Kitchen. Yes, kitchen. My word, Mr. Merkin, what is all this? Well, it's fairly standard ghost hunting equipment, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's correct. And if everyone can just hold on for a second, I'll explain what everything is and how it all works. Now, some of these things, you can see right away what they are, and some of the other things, well, you probably haven't seen them before. Uh, now, this thing here is... Barometers, we have one of those. Yes, yes, uh, barometers, because supposedly paranormal activity can affect uh, the barometric uh, pressure. Yeah, yeah, well, that's very true. So we have one of these as well, huh? Well, yeah, those are just um, common mercury thermometers, and we'll place those around and we'll check them periodically. But right. Changes in temperature. Yeah, when the spirits visit, it gets very, very cold. Really? Yeah, like ice. Maybe we should have brought our coats. Candles? Matches? Yes, well, there, there should be candles and matches there for everyone. And I want everyone to take a candle and a box of matches and keep them on your person at all times throughout the night. So go on, I'm serious. Oh, what are any of these like? Well, again, for whatever reason, uh, total power failures have been known to happen during ghost hunts. And you knew, well, you know how dangerous this place can be even in the daytime. So let's, let's be safe, everyone. And, and uh, oh, now here we have couple of cameras with uh, black and white and also infrared film. Oh, very nice. Yep. Now these will be set on tripods and they'll be harnessed to these little uh, motion detectors. How do they work now? Well, they send out a little beam and when that beam is broken, they beep. See, watch, they're, they're going to get it again there. there uh, see, uh. there, that's what happens when I move in front of it, you see? Oh, very good. So, when the ghosts come along with Well, this... it should trigger one of these uh, things and then that'll trigger the camera to oh. take the picture. Okay, um, looking at my watch, I see it's now 9.20, so it's taken us about uh, oh, an hour and a half to put everything in position. Uh, the tape recorders, cameras, motion sensors, everything is on and running, and uh, we are all gathered here in what I'll designate as the waiting area. The old kitchen dining room? Uh, yeah, that's right, but, but I, I, want, I want to call this the waiting area. What? The old kitchen night? Yeah. What's the end, Uh Mr. Merkin wants to call this the waiting area. He can't do that, can he, miss? Yeah, Mr. Merkin, the brochures say this is the kitchen dining room. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and, and of course it is, but just for this investigation, we'll call it the waiting area. Why? Uh, what do you mean, why? Everyone knows this is the old kitchen. Yeah, I'm not saying it isn't, but we just need to uh, establish... <laughs> to what? We'll establish a kind of objectivity, and, and, and that includes our terminology and our designations. And what? 
What does he say? I haven't a clue. I think that Mr. Merkin means uh, that he wants to be strictly scientific about this whole business. Yeah, that's it. Scientific. Oh, yes, yes, scientific. Yeah, now you get it. No. Okay, look, it's simple. You see, in a, in a kind of look, rational you, what environment, it's a case of science. I mean, excuse me, it's a matter of science. It's just a matter of logical ways. It's not a matter of terminology. Okay, look, please, please, it's all right. Now, let's not argue. Mr. Mark, you could call this room the what is it again? The waiting area. Yes, that's it. The waiting area. Good, good. Thank you. But in the morning, Mr. Markle goes back to being the kitchen dining room, okay? Yes, yes, that's all I ask. You see, everyone's happy. Yes. Now, what do we do, Mr. Markle? Well, we're entirely alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And there's no possibility of any outside intrusion, right? Are we clear about all this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the door below is locked. There's only the one way in and only one way up, and no one is coming up those stairs. Except the spirits. Yeah, the spirits. Should they go with that, please? Right then, and all the equipment is running. Only you know about that? That's your business? Yes, and, uh, and I've double checked everything, so all systems go. Like thunderbolts. What? Uh, so, what do we do now then? <sighs> we wait. It's Halloween, the full moon, so let's all get uh, comfortable and uh, we wait. Wait? For the spirits? Yeah. I love your bracelets. Oh, the silver. Thank you. Silver, <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, these ones are uh, silver. These ones are about here for gold. Yeah. Oh, my God, the lights! Okay, okay, the lights are gone out now. I oh. can't see anything. All the pole is off. Yes. They're here. Oh, I killed them. Oh, Lord, I'm up the oh. No, no, just stay calm, everyone, okay? All this is the lights, and they've gone out. So you can just come out now. Come on, I know it's fake. Oh, fine. You want to play games? Huh? 
Full the stupid yank, okay? Great, great. Well, get this. You guys screwed up. Screwed up. Do you hear that, Margaret? Yeah, because there's no piano. Not in real life. The piano's only in the movie. You guys are victims of your own myth. Come on, can we just stop this? Oh, shite. What? He's right. Come on out, lads. Come out, I said. Oh, yes, I told you so. Hello, Mr. Merkin. Hello, Grainia. Grainia. Yeah. Well, there's no point standing out here. Come on, let's go in. Yeah. Come on, let's go in. Put on the kettle and we'll have a cup of tea. Can surely you can see a way to some kind of an arrangement. Are you asking what I think you're asking? I'm asking you to work with us on this. In fairness, you have to understand what's about it here. Look, my tape recorder is running. You have to say there's ghosts. Do I? That's right. Well, it's running. Look, it's not right that you mess it up for all of us. We need the ghosts. I'm recording all this. This whole town depends on this. It's our livelihood. And where's the harm? No harm at all. Everyone is happy. That's right. Please, Mr. Merkin. What is it you want? The truth, okay? Just the truth. Okay, then. You could say, then, that maybe there's ghosts that you couldn't be sure. Yes, I kind of doubt. That would be okay, wouldn't it? Yeah, your evidence wasn't clear. But I found no evidence. Absolutely none. That's what I got on tape. That's what I'm recording right now. And that's what's going into my program. Okay, Okay, please. Please, everyone. Please stop. No need for this, okay? Now, the tape recorders have recorded what they recorded. That's what's happened here today, okay? Uh, I didn't make you do or say anything. Oh, but you did. That's right. No, no, no. There's no script. I just held that microphone, right? The rest you did for yourselves, and it will all come out on the tapes. Everything you faked. Everything. But you can't use the tapes. Of course I can. That's what I do. That's what I'm here for. My little radio program, remember? You destroy everything we have. Will I? I don't think so. You still have the movie. You still have the lighthouse. And it's beautiful here. Everyone around here is friendly. It's a great place. But there are no ghosts. There never were. What really happened here tonight is all on the tape. But you have to. No, no, I'm sorry. I can't. Later, I'll put in the recordings, uh, you know, all the facts. It'll all come together and, and everything will come out, you know. It was all a, a hoax. Well, that's that then. What's that now? I don't know. Sounds like, uh... Oh, yeah, an accordion, right? Very funny. Okay, just stop it, okay? Who else have you got here? The, the professor, right? He's up there right now, right? No, Mr. Malcolm, there's nobody here but us. All right, fuck. No one here but us. No, I swear. That's... Okay, okay, that does it. Give me the candle. Well, me where the are candle. you going? Give me the candle. I'm going to the top. I'm going to put an end on it. No, don't go. Oh, 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 so it's you behind it now, huh? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the backup. No, no, I have a bad feeling. Oh, you're feeling, huh? You're feeling great! She has a bad feeling. You guys have something else. Mr. Merkin, we aren't doing anything. Save it for later, save it for later, 
Sorry, you had your chance. You guys had your chance. There's nobody else here. You're running up the stairs now. This is the last bit of truth that this documentary's gonna uncover. You know, they tricked me once with the piano and now they're trying to do it again with the accordion and I bet you anybody is that impressive right now. He's probably out here right now and he doesn't know it, but I'm gonna just catch him right in the act and he's just gonna... Oh. 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 And that was the last recording made one year ago on the 31st of October. Heading the investigation into Merkin's death, State Coroner Harrison listened to all 42 hours of his tape recordings and pronounced them inconclusive. Merkin, we know, was afraid of heights and the recordings proved beyond doubt that none of us were present with him when he fell. Thus, the official cause of death was listed as drowning though I know he died of terror before he struck the water. His ghost is very clear about this. All right, and that is Ghosts of Rena Screen, a Lighthouse, Crazy Dog, Audio Theatre with Roger Gregg. Uh, Crazy Dog Audio Theatre, theater, re.com. Uh, there is not a lot of audio there. Um, actually, most of the ZBS Foundation, zbs.org, uh, will have Roger's work, but what Roger does have at his website, crazydogaudiotheater.com, uh, is stuff about his productions and how he does them. Uh, he's got a really great skit on writing for audio drama there. Um, samples from others, others' work. Uh, he's got a piece on making sound effects and then another piece on writing um, for audio. And then he did a series of interviews, uh, including Tom Lopez and uh, and others, Dirk Maggs. Uh, so he has, in his you know uh, younger life as an audio producer, um, did the sort of thing that I do, go go around and ask people questions and, and learn stuff from it and put it out there for other people uh, to learn from the questions you asked and had answered. And um, I've, I it's really uh, well done, very articulated uh, questions that Roger had. So I highly recommend, uh, for learning a little bit about the craft, check out crazydogaudiotheater.com. Um, all right, and stay tuned for next week. Uh, we are going to be right into the grisly depths of our Halloween programming, kick it off with a bang as much as best we can. Uh, we'll have five weeks of that, and I will also be launching uh, sort of my top picks. Um, if you are just getting into uh, horror audio, I'll make some recommendations. Um, and, of course, uh, deep, deep archives, over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. Uh, we've got our Facebook page, facebook.com slash radiodramarevival. Uh, follow us on Twitter, hit up at radiodrama, or find us on iTunes or Stitcher, search Radio Drama Revival. And that is a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh, copyright of individual shows. Remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com is labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.
for learning for learning. Who are we even by to? <laughs>